Hey gang, here's where normal indecision and ambiguity come to die. Welcome to the 48 Days Radio Show. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, hi, this is Dan Miller. Yes, you're listening to 48 Days Radio Show, where each week we take 48 minutes to dive into real-life questions about finding your passion, deciding what kind of life you want to live, and then finding or creating work that allows you to show up every day, excited to be able to do something that is meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. Well, today's going to be another unusual day. We're going to stick with a theme this week. This theme is going to be Acres of Diamonds. You've heard me talk about it many times over many years. It's one of my favorite stories. I'm going to give you the essence of it and a link to where you can just have the whole thing to read yourself in about 30 minutes. That's what we're going to do. We're going to look at Acres of Diamonds. Now, this is how you find your best opportunity. Maybe. For some of you, it's going to be that you're standing right on top of it. So some questions that I want you to ask yourself is, do you really need to go back to school to get another degree to unlock your dream? Can you maybe find the seed of your best opportunity in what you're doing now? Has all of your experience up to now been a waste? You know, are you really starting over or are you just ready to benefit from your experience? Our quotation from today for today comes from Earl Nightingale, who said, you are at this moment standing right in the middle of your own acres of diamonds. I'm going to give you a little background about the story Acres of Diamonds. Russell Herman Conwell was the storyteller. Born in 1843, died in 1925. He was an American Baptist minister, orator, philanthropist, lawyer, writer, founder of uh, and first president of Temple University. Now, his original inspiration for this most famous essay, Acres of Diamonds, occurred in 1869 when Conwell was traveling in the Middle East. He started work on his speech. And then before his death in 1925, Conwell would come to deliver this speech over 6,000 152 times around the world. And it's even in the telling of the story that he raised the money to start Temple University. Now this little book has become regarded as one of the classics of new thought literature since the 1870s. Uh, Since his death, the proceeds from the speech have been dedicated to a homeless shelter in Philadelphia. Now what I want to do, I want to play Now This is going to be grueling because the audio quality is so stinking bad. But I want you to get a glimpse of just, this is an ordinary guy. He wasn't a great storyteller even. He was. He speaks in kind of a monotone. Last week I played a little bit of a clip from The Strangest Secret, Earl Nightingale. Again, just that deep monotone voice. This is kind of like that as well. 
this is going to be a little bit more acres of diamond. Now it's only a minute long because I just pulled out a one little clip right at the part where a guy walked into the farmer's cabin and saw what was a diamond sitting on the mantle. I want you to hear just that part. And then I'm going to tell you a little bit more about the story itself. And what I'm going to do then is give you three examples of people who discovered acres of diamonds one being me and then i'm going to give you three resources and we're going to wrap it up so again it's going to be a short day here's this little clip acres of diamonds a few days after that this same old priest came in to visit how hated could set off and the moment he entered the drawing room door he saw that flash of light from the mantle and he rushed up to it and shouted here's a diamond here is a diamond as Al Hafid returns. The old farmer said that Al Hafid had not returned and also said that is not a diamond. It is nothing but a stone. We found it right out here in our garden. Said the old priest, I know a diamond when I see it. That is a diamond. Then together they rushed out into that garden and they stirred up the white sands of their fingers. And lo, there came up other, more beautiful, more valuable gems than the first. And thus, said the guide to me, was discovered the great diamond mine of Golconda, the most magnificent diamond mine in all the history of the world. Okay, now I told you it was rough, and believe me, that's, that's the actual recording, because it was done so long ago we don't really have a clean recording of it now i'm going to link you to a clean recording of the whole thing it's about two hours long and you can actually listen to it so i'll link it to you but i'm going to tell you the story right here the story is really short and sweet this this is what it amounts to acres of diamonds is a true story told of an african farmer who heard tales about other farmers who had made millions by discovering diamond mines so this farmer got excited, decided he didn't want to die, a poor little farmer. So he decided to sell his little farm and go prospecting for diamonds himself. So he sold his little farm, spent the rest of his life wandering around the African continent over on the coast, searching unsuccessfully for the gleaming gems that brought such high prices in the diamond markets. And then finally, worn out, never finding a diamond in a fit of despair, threw himself into a river and drowned. Meanwhile, the guy who bought his farm happened to be crossing the small stream on the property one day when something really bright caught his eye in the stream bottom. He reached down, picked up this really cool looking stone. It was a good sized stone. And so he admired it. He brought it home, put it on his fireplace mantle, just as an interesting kind of curiosity. Well, several weeks later, and this is where you heard in the audio clip, somebody walked in, picked up the stone, looked closely at it, nearly fainted. He asked the farmer if he knew what he had found. Now, in the audio clip, he asked him if the original owner had come back. He said, no, you know, he had heard that he had actually died. And this was nothing special. It was just, he thought it was a piece of crystal. Well, the visitor told him he had found one of the largest diamonds ever discovered. Farmer had trouble believing that. He said there was a creek bottom full of such stones. Not all as big as that one, but there were a whole lot of them there. And in fact, that did turn out to be the largest and one of the most productive diamond mines on the entire African continent. The first farmer had owned free and clear 
acres of diamonds, but he sold them for practically nothing in order to look for them elsewhere. Now, the moral of the story is pretty clear, and it's one I've used with working with people many, many times. If the first farmer had only taken the time to study and prepare himself to learn what diamonds looked like in their rough state and to thoroughly explore right where he was, all of his wildest dreams would have come true. Now, this is something that I encounter in a lot of people, and I've certainly been guilty of that. You know, there's a little bit in all of us, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. Surely, if I just would have gone into computers programming, you know, today I'd be rich. You know, gee, if I would have started, if I would have bought stock in Walmart in the early days or Apple or Google, you know, something like that, boy, I would be as lucky as some of those people there are. And we ignore the value of what we're doing. Now, I want to tell you three quick stories. Earl Nightingale told a story about a guy he knew in Arizona who began with a small gas station. But one day, while one of his young attendants was filling a man's gas tank, he watched the customer while the customer just stood there waiting for the job to be finished. And it dawned on him that man had money in his pockets and there were things he needed or that he would want and he would pay for if they were conveniently displayed where he could see them while his car was being worked on. So he began adding things, fishing tackle, then fishing licenses, hunting, camping equipment, He found an excellent line of aluminum fishing boats and trailers and began buying up the connected property around him. Then he added an auto parts department. He always sold cold soft drinks and candy. Then he added an excellent line of chocolates in a refrigerated case. Before long, he sold more chocolates than anyone else in the state. He carried thousands of things his customers could buy while waiting for their cars to be serviced. All the products he sold also guaranteed that most of the gas customers in town would come to his station. So he sold more gas. He began cashing checks on Friday and his sales grew. It all started with a man with a human brain, watching a customer standing around with money in his pockets and nothing to spend it on. I mean, others would have lived and died with just a small gas station. And a lot of people do that. But Earl Nightingale's friend saw the diamonds. Now, let me tell you about a, a guy I worked with. Several years ago, worked with a guy who was a dentist. Now, three different times he had left dentistry because he hated it so much. The last time he had left and actually purchased a printing franchise about which he knew very little and ended up filing personal bankruptcy and once again crawled back into dentistry because it was the one thing that he knew he could do. Well, I talked to him. I said, you know, how did you end up in dentistry? He said, well, my dad was a doctor. I didn't want to do that. Don't really like medicine, but I I wanted to do something where I could wear nice clothes, you know, be respected in the community, make decent money, have my own business. Well, as I listened to him, I heard that there was nothing unique about the clinical practice of dentistry that had anything to do with him choosing dentistry as a profession. He wanted to be in business for himself, wanted to wear nice clothes, wanted to make extraordinary income, be respected in the community. So I said, look, what is it that dentists struggle with? What are some of the things that they deal with, independent dentists? He said, well, you know, if their little hand rotary tool goes out, you know, then they have to stop doing dentistry and they have to look at where to buy supplies. 
you know, some of them don't know how to buy, how to select a new chair, you know, for their patients coming in. He said, they, they need help in that area of their business. I said, okay, why don't you become the guy, you know, dentistry, you know what they struggle with in that arena. Why don't you become the guy that becomes a broker for any kind of supplies that dentists need? I said, how many independent dentists are there in the United States? And he he gave me some number. It was like 130,000. I said, what if we could find a thousand of those dentists who would be willing to pay a low monthly fee to have rights to your expertise to help them make better decisions, know where they could get discounts on great equipment that they need to add to their practice. He said, I can do that. I said, why don't we establish that as only $21 a month, just as a fee to be part of this buying co-op. He then went to suppliers and said, if I bring you a dedicated block of dentists who aren't going to price shop, they're going to buy from you because I'm going to recommend your products. Would you give us a discount? Sure they would major discounts. He then went back to dentists and our goal was in a 90 day period to get a thousand dentists who would pay $21 a month to be part of this buying service. He did that and more. Now here was a guy who wanted a fresh break. He wanted to have his own business, but he had filed bankruptcy. So he wasn't bankable. He couldn't finance a new business in a normal way, but he took what he already had his unique expertise in an area of dentistry and started a very profitable business. If you did the math on that, all of a sudden, starting with no capital at all, he had a business where he had a thousand dentists paying $21 a month. That's $21,000 a month just to have him make the recommendations or where they could get the best deals on merchandise. Now, what we do is take his unique background in dentistry. We didn't just throw that out and wipe the slate clean. We took his unique knowledge and expertise and credentialing degrees in dentistry, but just framed it in a way that gave him everything he wanted, but put him in a position where we would never again have to have his hands in somebody's slimy mouth. That's an acres of diamonds story. Now I've got one I'm working on myself. 10 years ago, I wrote 48 days to the work you love. The book has done really well. I've gone on and done a lot of other things, other books, No More Dreaded Mondays, Rudder of the Day, Wisdom Meets Passion, Right to the Bank, other things, you know, branching into areas that have to do with entrepreneurs. And then I started looking at what are my greatest opportunities? And I realized how solidly that basic message, 48 Days to the Working Love, resonates with people. Whether they need a first job, whether they want a promotion, in a job that they already have, whether they have an idea about a business they want to start or whether they want to grow a business with all of those, it resonates with those people and continues to do really well. And I had kind of left it behind as I went on to other things. I've come back solidly around to 48 days to the work you love. We've invested a lot of time and energy in getting the complete seminar ready. I created 48 videos that go with that. We're ready to launch that new 48 days to the work you love seminar completely online version A facilitator can just pull it up and walk a, an audience through that. We have time in there where they can work on questions together, but it's coming right back to what was under my nose all of those years. 
And I think it's going to be the best opportunity. I think it's going to be the major opportunity for me as I move forward into this new year. Now, what are the prospects of your own acres of diamonds? Got just a couple questions for you, and I'm going to wrap this up. How do you find your own acres of diamonds? Unearth the opportunities that exist right in your life right now. I want you to ask yourself some key, key questions. If you stepped out of what you're doing today and walked into the room as an outsider, what would you see? I mean, sometimes we get, we get numb to what we're doing just because we're used to it. But if you were an outsider and walked in, what would you see yourself doing? How would you describe it? How good are you at what you're presently doing? How would your work stand up against the work of others in your field? Do you know all you can about your industry or profession? How can you increase your service? A few years ago, I talked to Noe, who does our landscaping yard work. And he was saying, yeah, there's a lot of people, you know, just get in. They buy a lawnmower and they call themselves a landscaping service. You know, how can I grow my business? And I said, well, instead of just running out to a broader geographic area where you got you guys burning up the road in their trucks, you know, why don't you go deeper with the customers you already have? And he says, well, what do you mean? I said, you got a lot of customers who already trust you, know, love and trust you. What are other things that they would want that you see them bringing in that you could provide? And he said, oh my gosh, we could do gazebos in the backyard. We could do water features. We could do stamped concrete sidewalks. We could do stone bridges. I said, why don't you add those things to what you're already doing? Well, he did. And it put him in a totally different category. He's not just one more guy mowing yards. He's got a really robust, extremely profitable uh, landscaping business. Somebody ought to have him on and we ought to just go through his entire business because the things that he's added and the way you get the ways that he's done it are pretty astounding. What are five ways to do what you're presently doing that you could do it better? Five better ways to do what you're presently doing. How will your work be performed 20 years from now? I mean, everything in our world is in a state of evolution and improvement. Look how things have changed in communication, transportation. Look at some of the new things that are coming on the horizon. How can you be out there on the leading edge of some things that are happening? Those are the kind of questions you can ask yourself to uncover your own acres of diamonds. Now, I'm going to look, I'm going to put in our notes for today, the free book, Acres of Diamonds. You'll see that it has a forward by me and some updates in there. Beautiful cover. Anyway, we've got a link to it. I'll put a link in. If you just go to 48days.com slash acres, A-C-R-E-S, it'll take you right to that. You get a free download of that. I'm also going to put a link to the audio, the full audio of the book, if you'd rather get it that way. And I'm also going to put a link in to Earl Nightingale's product called Lead the Field. Now, that's something you have to purchase. It's an audio program. It's one of the major ones that have shaped the lives of a lot of professionals out there. Uh, certainly one of my standards, Lead the Field. I'll put a link in there for that as well, if you're interested in that. And again, we'll close with our quotation from Earl Nightingale, who said, you are at this moment standing right in the middle of your own acres of diamonds. 
and to take us out today to end today rather than our normal 40 days song i'm going to play what i have as the ringtone on my phone just the chorus on this you'll recognize it instantly one of my favorites from you too and this will wrap us up have a great week is a blue shoots up through the stony ground there's no room no space to win in this town you're out of luck and the reason that you had to care the traffic is stuck and you're not moving anywhere you thought you found a friend Take you out of this place Someone you could lend a hand In return for grace So beautiful